Welcome. You're listening to WO Voices, a podcast series from Women in Optometry magazine. I'm Martelin Bailefeld, editor of Women in Optometry. We're delighted you could join us. We're here today with Dottie Fadel, the Optom, FSLS, FBCLA, FAAO. She's the co-founder and president of the Euro and Australasian Scleral Lens Academy. And we're here with Melissa Barnett, OD, FAAO, FSLS, FBCLA. Between the two of you, you have a lot of uh, um, honorary uh, degrees and, and fellowships. Dr. Uh, Barnett is the principal optometrist at the UC Davis Eye Center. She's the chair-elect of the AOA CLCS. She's a board member with the Intrepid Eye Society, and she's the past president of the Scleral Lens Society. Dr. Barnett, I know you've been looking forward to a chance to uh, ask Dottie Fidel some, some questions, so let me tee it off for you. Here you go. Excellent. Well, thank you, Marjolyn, and thank you all for listening. It is a great pleasure to have my colleague and really my friend, Dottie Fidel, with us today. So, Dottie, you know, I have the pleasure of knowing you well for many years. We've collaborated together on many projects, including the Clinical Guide for Scleral Lens Success, which I'm so happy is available in so many different languages. But for those who don't know you, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, Where do you live and practice? Uh, Thank you very much, Melissa and Marjolene, for this uh, opportunity. I'm very honored to be part of this, virtually. And um, yes, I live in the Lazio region in Italy, in the countryside. It's about 40 minutes from Rome, and my practice is about 10 minutes from my house. Uh, I've been working here for about 18 years, since 2002, with my husband. We opened the practice and we work together. He takes care of all the commercial and financial aspects, and I take care of the professional services. We offer primary care, but our main care service is specialty contact lenses. The particularity of our practice is um, that I personally design all my allergic contact lenses, including cortocale, corneal, and scleral lenses. So each patient has two customized lenses for his eyes, and I have patients coming from all over the world. My patients are referred to me from international colleagues, ophthalmologists, and from the patients themselves who recommend me. I'm also dedicated to clinical education. I provide courses to colleagues. This last year, unfortunately, my peer courses were all online, and I'm also used to house them in my practice for clinical training. Yes, that that's just so impressive, and I feel like I've been in your practice with all these Zoom meetings over this past year, but it's absolutely beautiful. And it's been my pleasure to visit you um, in Rome too, multiple times. So I can't wait to actually go into your practice and see all of those toys in, in real life. So what actually interested you in optometry? Mm, well, actually, I after my uh, French high school uh, that I achieved in Athens, Greece, I was so confused on what to do after. And my parents wanted me to do politics studies because of my languages, but I never liked politics. I'm not a politician woman at all. 
So at the last month of my high school, I had surgery and my surgeon told me about his brother who was in Italy working as an optician and how he was happy about that. So I decided to come to Italy and study optics. One finished uh, the optics study, I felt that something was missing. There was, was still a lot of knowledge I was missing. So then I decided to study optometry. And here I found my immense passion, especially for contact lenses. So I started working from the first year of optometry. Um, it was um, it was very hard to do that, working and studying at the same time. But it was very, very important because I could immediately put in practice what I learned in school. So for contact lenses, this was amazing. I also started lecturing at national conferences and publishing in national journals since my first year of optometry on contact lenses and binocular vision. I was so passionate and enthusiastic about these studies that I finished the course in three years instead of four years. My first passion was contact lenses indefinitely. The passion then continued to grow after the course and I continued to deepen my knowledge, learning, studying, and especially reading continuously the scientific updates. Then with time, when fitting contact lenses, I needed to have a total control on these lenses. And then it's that's why I started to personally design these lenses. I did so many errors uh, initially, uh, but um, these errors were, were very important because they were subject uh, of analysis and studies for me, and they allowed me to ameliorate. And now, as I said before, uh, I design all my rigid contact lenses, and actually, I'm still learning how to do better. That's very true. And that's one wonderful thing, I think, about our profession, is that we're constantly learning and growing and developing as we have new technologies and new techniques. And this is all for the best of our patients. And I know you feel the same way, is that we can develop these best practices to really help and benefit our patients and continue to do so over time. Definitely. So what what actually sparked your interest specifically in scleral lenses? Oh, scleral lenses represent a big portion of my passion. I was firstly interested in how everything goes back to the origin. Uh, scleral lenses were the first lenses to be applied on the eye and we know that uh, the passage to corneal lenses was only due to the lack of technology in manufacturing and the high decay materials were not available so it's amazing how technology as you say um, pick up all things and make them possible available to change people's lives scleral lenses push the limits offering a hope and the possibility for patients who are desperate and they represent the only option where other contact lenses fail. This is so amazing, I think. And I'm so grateful to Don Izzikal and his stubbornness for making lenses available again. However, despite all the benefits of scale lenses, I felt uh, years ago that there was a huge lack of updated knowledge on modern scale lenses. And in Italy, there was a general skepticism on scale lenses. They were considered very, very special lenses to fit only on as a very last options and only if ophthalmologists recommended them. Then in, 2000, uh, in 2016, 2016, I participated for the first time at GSLS. And then I noted the huge difference in the approach and the consideration of scale lenses in US. 
It was then then when I decided to dedicate my energy in these lenses, but also I wanted to extend this approach in Italy and in Europe. And it's funny because when I came back from GSLS, I called two of my colleagues uh, and I told them that I want to go to the U.S. And if I um, will not be able to go there, I will do everything I can to bring that word here. So then I started to work harder and I founded the Italian Academy of Skin Lenses and we collaborated together, Melissa, on several projects and the guide of um, the clinical guide of skin lenses we wrote it with the Italian Academy of Skin Lenses and the Skin Lens Society. So since then, uh, since that foundation of the academy in Italy and in Europe, scleral lenses spread amazingly. And I'm feeling that the American approach now is becoming similar here. And um, after the conference dedicated total scleral lenses in in 2018, I noticed that there was a great interest in scleral lenses in all over Europe, although there is a lack of education on scleral lenses. And I'm still, uh, I'm still wondering, I still find so strange that there is a lack of investment from the industry in this field in Europe, in the education part. It seems that now things are likely changing, thankfully. So after the conference uh, last year with Dr. Mindy Toby, we organized the Summit of Specialty Contact Lenses that had a great interest and impact on skin lenses and also myopia control. So now my interest is, of course, to continue to have my clinical activities, but I have a great interest in spreading knowledge, doing education on skin lenses in all over the world and also in myopia control. People need them, um, patients need them, and uh, practitioners need uh, to uh, know how to fit them. So actually, I want to, uh, I want to dedicate myself to, to these activities, to, to spreading knowledge, definitely. Excellent, and I, I echo your sentiments exactly, and I can't wait until this pandemic is over, and I'll join you, and let's do it. Let's travel all over and educate together. You know, that's a lot of what I do, and over the years, it continues to surprise me how how much education is still needed um, in the United States around scleral lenses. You know, workshops prior to the pandemic, Every single workshop has been full for many, many years in many conferences all over the country and even the world. So there is the desire, there is the need uh, for more and more education and, of course, for myopia management as well. And there's a huge opportunity. You know, I think that the growth in, in specialty contact lenses continues to grow. There's still so much potential, mm -hmm. uh, especially globally. And I think to other countries, like some countries in Asia that don't even have scleral lenses at all. Yes. We've talked about this, Dottie, before, but there's just the huge opportunity to, to expand scleral lenses. And we'll continue to work on that together. I know we will. Uh, so, uh, Dr. Barnett, how does uh, um, Dottie Fidel's experience in, in Italy compare to sort of the uh, evolution in in the U.S. So I think that Italy is going in the same direction as the U.S. Uh, just uh, many years later, I would say. 
However, it really varies in different practices. So in, say, academic practices like my practice, we adopted scleral lenses much earlier than, say, some private practitioners. But I really have to thank Dottie for all the work that she's done, not only in Italy, but also around the world and with the Summit of Specialty Contacts to bring everyone together um, as a global community in order to enhance education and to provide best practices for specialty lenses. So Dottie, you just published a, a book on scleral lenses and what was your motivation to write a book? Yes, I. as I already mentioned, I want to share uh, knowledge. I have uh, the desire to share what I acquired. And uh, years ago, I also have been asked, who taught you to physical lenses? My answer was my errors. So <laughs> because fitting lenses and managing the issues and complications allowed me to learn a lot. And when problems occurred, I wanted to study them, as already said, and learn from them. And indeed, knowing how to manage problems make you acquire confidence in that field. In scale lens issues and complications, I wanted to share what I learned, hoping to transmit that confidence, dedication, passion, and as a result, to provide patients uh, the lens they need well-fitted lens they need because we all know that a skull lens that is not optimally fitted may represent a problem and not a solution and patients need a solution and that book may contribute to get uh, a solution and we know that in literature many articles describe skull lens complications and provide suggestions on their management however they are not reported altogether and currently clinicians need to consult different references to understand how to manage the problems and often this creates confusion. So I wanted to put them all together and the result was this book. And I wanted also to do um, to differentiate issues and complications. So I listed all the issues and complications with their different etiologies. Understanding the etiology of the problems is crucial for their management strategies that may vary depending on the type of problems that often may be managed in more ways or may require different changes. So for this book, I prefer thematic exposure uh, of issues and complications to make the chapters easily consulted during the daily practice. And clinicians are busy and need an easy reference to consult and helping them in managing faster the problem. So the schematic exposure makes the consultation easier. And additionally, tables for a quick find index that describe all the issues and complications, their symptoms, clinical signs, etiology, management, and observation are included in this book. Well, it's a wonderful work, and I really want to congratulate you for creating this. It's absolutely amazing. And I haven't told you this yet, but I've been including your book in all my lectures as oh. as a resource and, and sharing this with everyone. So I, I guess I should tell you that, but it's, it's wonderful. So thank you so much for all your work on that. Thank you so much, um, Melissa. I'm including also your book with uh, Lynette Johnson in all my uh, my lectures as well. Yeah, practitioners need to have references to um, 
to deepen their knowledge because our our lectures are not enough to to have a deeper knowledge about that we can introduce some lectures uh, some some topics but they need to consult books and i think your book is is amazing thank you thank you switching gears a little bit you recently created the global epidemic women and with the plan to have an in-person meeting, what inspired you to create this group? We all know that women struggle to have some opportunities, uh, at least the same opportunities than men. Women still have to work twice as hard as less competent men to succeed. Uh, we are traditionally taught and educated on how to succeed in the family as wife and mother. So... I think the time has come to focus on how mothers and fathers could support their daughters, uh, their daughters to succeed professionally. And uh, GLOW can do this. GLOW had, has the aim to empower both education and lifestyle for women. Women have different realities in the different parts of the world. So GLOW will bring women together from all over the globe to share their different experiences, journeys, difficulties in being a woman in a male professional world, their lifestyle, and um, how they are managing personal and professional life. And I also would like something more. I want this group to be supportive, supportive psychologically and encourage women, especially those who live in a society, in a culture uh, that tolerates moral harassment. So to let them feel accompanied and they are not alone, letting them know that we are all living a similar experience. Um, However, even if we are all living this experience, it doesn't make this situation normal. So we should definitely not accept it, but we can help each other on how to manage it and get out of it. How to get out of it? We can do it together. Moral abuse and harassment is still considered a taboo. Another huge taboo is speaking up. We all need to get involved to speak up and educate. Speak up is the key, but you need to do it in a safe way and in a place that you need uh, You need also a lot of support. GLOW may be a safe place where you can refugee and can we can support women uh, when they speak up. By speaking up and sharing your, our experience, actually we rise up uh, each other and as a result, the humiliation that women receive will go back to the center, putting himself or herself in, hum in humiliation. Speaking up and telling our story, if we're a hundred or more, this will increase awareness and I'm 100% sure that things will change. Our choral voice will be heard. GLOW is essential because it, make, it can make uh, some kind of justice, uh, justice educating people. One more thing, women comprise uh, the fastest growing demographic in the ophthalmic optometric field. There is a shift in our profession's demographic toward women, and this will continue to grow. So the future of ophthalmic optometry uh, field is more likely will be women. So by providing adequate leadership skills, mentorship, and strategies on how to succeed in the professional setting and how to properly balance adequate work-life demands is important, and the growing demographic will be equipped to further succeed. 
Uh, from an industry perspective, these will be the largest and faster growing consumer base. So taking the time to support initiatives that will empower them and help them become even more successful will also benefit uh, the industry. Exactly. And Marjolyn, I want to invite you to this meeting now, and it's going to be a great meeting where we have doctors and industry and, and really all practitioners together to help elevate other women. So I can't wait for it. It's going to be very exciting. I would like to, to list who we are in GLOW. We are, we are talking about GLOW, but who uh, the committee includes you, Melissa. Karen Delos, Luis Clafani, Christine Saint, Karen Carasquillo, Elena Belusova, Patricia Flores, Muriel Shornak, Mindy Toby, and Carmen Vichoso. So we are active now. We are organizing this meeting. And I think that we need to do more on social media. We know that uh, how social media are gaining more and more importance and uh, social impact they can help us in educating and increasing awareness. We also need maybe to organize podcasts with women who have stories to tell. Um, I'm quite sure that every woman has many stories to tell, so we only need to tell them loud to encourage other women. I I completely agree, and it's a truly international planning committee with just a great group. And for those of you uh, who are listening, we are going to talk about other things besides contact lenses. Because that's been the question that's come <laughs> up. And we have um, lots of great ideas, but they also include things like yoga and meditation and mindfulness and other subjects uh, within our field as well. So speaking of traveling, Dottie, we've had the great pleasure of meeting up in many places around the world. But if you could choose one place in the world to travel, where would you go? Tibet. Tibet is not only the highest region on earth, it's the highest summit of spirituality. Uh, Tibet is the cradle of inner knowledge. I would love to spend a couple of weeks or months in Tibet without my computer or my cell phones. Oh, I'll, I'll join you. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Without the computer and cell phone. Sounds great. Yeah, it's my dream. Oh, and, and why don't we throw in Nepal there too? You know, they're close mm-hmm. enough, Nepal, Tibet. What What about you, Dr. Barnett? Where would you go? You know, Japan has really been on my list my whole life. And I've never been there. Growing up, we had Japanese exchange students. And I mm-hmm. feel like I know a lot of the culture. And so that is real high up there. India is another place I would love mm-hmm. to go. But um, there's so many places in the world and right now in the middle of this pandemic and lockdown in California, I think I would like to go anywhere. I mean, <laughs> even, even to San Francisco, which is an hour and a half away. Uh, sounds amazing right now. But I, I'm, it's nice to dream of that again, right? And we'll come back yes, one day. You know, I'm feeling immense gratitude also for what we have right now which and, and that we can still mm-hmm. take care of our patients. So Dottie, mm-hmm. one final question for you. And I've always wanted to ask this. Uh, what would you like to be known for? Oh, so I would like to be known uh, for a person who, who is a hard but ethical worker who fights against uh, unfairness, uh, unfairness and irregularities 
uh, actually I move away from situation and people without moral ethics. Uh, as a woman who is always in search of knowledge, learning more and more, who never gives up, a person who fights hardly for gender equality. I also would like to be known for my love for cooking and dancing and my extreme dedication to my family. Dottie, that, that was just beautiful. And, you know, you have two sons like I do um, as well. And I, I, I love that connection that we have. And to help raise our sons um, to support women as well and i i know that you're definitely doing that and it's been such an honor and pleasure uh, knowing you working with you and collaborating with you we have many future projects uh, together planned as well so i i want to thank you sincerely uh, for being on this podcast marjolyn and wo thank you so much for having us i greatly appreciate it uh, Melissa, I would like to thank you for uh, collaboration for our collaboration. It's such an honor for me to collaborate with you, and thank you for for giving me so many opportunities like uh, this uh, podcast. I would like to thank also Madeline. It's such an honor to be part of uh, Women in Optometry uh, podcast, and I'm so looking forward to our future projects. It's such an honor for me to 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 collaborate with you, definitely, honestly. And I, I hope that, uh, you know, people who, who listen to this really hear that important, the connections that are made through, you know, what, what you're doing in your own communities and how that uh, reaches out and touches people around the world. And it's not just about contact lenses. It's uh, the, the, the connections go far deeper. And thank you both for, for sharing that. Daddy Fidel, Dr. Barnett, thanks so much for being on WO Voices podcast series. Thank you for listening. I hope you join us again next time on WO Voices. If you'd like to be part of our podcast series, please contact us. You can email us at wovoicesonline at gmail.com or via our website, womeninoptometry.com, on Facebook at WO Magazine, or through Twitter or Instagram at WomenODs. See you next time.